Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today is a very, very important show. I mean, you know I do, um, sometimes I do shows where I rant about the headlines. Sometimes I do feel-good shows in between um, people who have uh, overcome some hardship or people who have uh, sacrificed their life to do something good for other people and so on. But you know that my heart is in the topic that we're going to be talking about today because it is the most important topic that faces all of us as Americans, and I know that people are listening to this show in all kinds of countries around the world, and it actually affects lots of other countries around the world, I mean, especially, of course, the West, but um, really the, uh, the goal of the radical Islamists is um, to conquer the world after they get done destroying the West from the inside. So today I have two men on who have really devoted their life to trying to get us to wake up and pay attention. And they have written an amazing book called See Something, Say Nothing. A Homeland Security Officer Exposes the Government's Submission to jihad. A homeland security officer exposes the government's submission to jihad. I know that that's a little hard to, uh, um, what, we're submitting to jihad? Yes, yes indeed we are, and some of our leaders have been leading us into this very vulnerable position. You know, some of you think 9-11 could never happen again. Well, <laughs> think again. So let me introduce my guests, um, the authors, the co-authors of this book. Uh, first of all, Philip Haney. He um, studied Arabic culture and language while working as a scientist in the Middle East before he became a founding member of the Department of Homeland Security in 2002. And he started as a Customs and Border Protection Agriculture Officer and worked his way up, uh, did several tours of duty at the National Targeting Center near Washington, D.C., was promoted to the Advanced Targeting Team. Um, he won numerous awards and commendations for meticulously compiling information and producing actionable reports that led to the identification of hundreds of terrorists. The problem is... <laughs> that even though he won all these awards for doing all this meticulous work and identifying all these terrorists, the follow-through from the leaders in our government was less than ideal. He has specialized in Islamic theology and strategy and tactics of the global Islamic movement. And he retired in July 2015. And, of course, I'm going to ask you, Philip, about that. I'm sure you didn't retire, retire. Second, uh, the co-author is Art Moore, who is an editor for WND.com, that's World News Daily, and its monthly magazine and book publishing division. He was originally a public relations assistant for the Seattle Mariners, a 
correspondent for sports for Associated Press Radio. He's kind of moved into the terrorism area. He served for 10 years in Eastern Europe with a Christian organization and earned a master's degree in communication from Wheaton College. And then he joined WND shortly after 9-11, but before that he was a reporter for a daily newspaper and senior news writer for Christianity Today magazine. So, welcome um, both of you. Um, this book is, is amazing, it's so important, um, and before we start talking about the actual contents, um, I just would like to know, why don't we start with you, Philip? How you, well, I mean, I, I know I just read all the, um, the, the details of climbing, you're climbing the ladder, but, but how emotionally, philosophically, um, did you, why did this field of study, why did you want, I guess, to join the Homeland Security uh, Department when it was founded? I volunteered after 9-11. I had worked in the Middle East as my first career as entomology, a field agricultural huh. entomologist, and I worked in places like Egypt and Yemen and the Far East, the Middle East, Israel, Jordan, so on. And so I knew I had studied Quranic Arabic and I'd studied theology of Islam long time before 9-11 ever happened. And so when that morning came, I knew immediately, having been there so many times, um, the motivation, the ideology, the theology of the people that were crashing their planes into the Twin Towers, and I volunteered. And I was accepted, and I went into the intelligence branch of the Department of Homeland Security as a founding member of the department, and I began working on cases of tying together individuals and organizations in the networks that were connected to 9-11 and lots of other ones as well. That's how I got into it. I volunteered. Well, and I guess because of having seen what you saw in the Middle East, um, you were well aware of the, um, of the virulence of um, the culture and the, um, I mean, what 9-11, the depth of 9-11. Sure, uh, it was never theoretical for me, ever. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to have an aha moment, a wake-up moment, an epiphany of realization of how real it was. I already seen it, and I knew, because these kind of things, this kind of worldview was in force all through the Middle East a long time before 9-11 ever came to America. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like it was something that was just sprung up out of the ground like uh, spring mushrooms. No, it had been really going on for 1,400 years. And it was that mm -hmm. Tuesday morning in 9-11 when, when it came to America, and we saw the real face of it up close and personal that we had never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Art, what about you? How did you um, get involved in this project? And I know you're, you know, this is what you write about um, in, in general, but how did, how did you, um, how, how did this marriage 
Yeah. How was this marriage made in heaven, the two of you? Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's interesting because I started with WND shortly after 9-11. And one of my first assignments was to write about this group called the Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE. And this is actually a group that was formed by Muslim Brotherhood operatives. I mean, people with the group Hamas, which we know is a designated terrorist organization, and they were the ones who formed this group, and uh, yet there was this politically correct uh, view of them that they're simply um, a civil rights organization. They're just trying to help Muslim immigrants here in this country uh, protect their rights. And so um, there's lots of stories there with CARE, but to uh, you know, just give you the, the overview, um, we have a mutual friend, I mean, the three of us do, uh, Jeff Epstein, who has done a lot of great work in exposing uh, the reality of, of this threat that we face. And Jeff told me, hey, there's a guy who is in DHS right now, and he gets it. I mean, he, he understands the, the situation as we do. And so Jeff set up this um, telephone conversation with him, and I wasn't allowed to know what his name was, um, and, and the reason why he had to be protected is really, you know, the, the, the whole issue is, is that there's this narrative that the establishment, the government bureaucrats have accepted that regular Americans can see through, but it's, it's still there to this day. And so it was quite remarkable that somebody like Philip existed. And so uh, I was just amazed to hear what he was saying. And, and um, I think one of the things that stood out was that he had been... Uh, connecting the dots as any good investigator would, uh, following the evidence where it led, and it, and it led to a place that the government didn't like because they had been under ongoing pressure by groups like CARE, these so-called civil rights uh, groups, that really have uh, an interest that's far, far more sinister than, than um, people can imagine. And so with that pressure, uh, the government... Um, was shutting down uh, Phillips projects and, and we can tell you some of the big ones that are, are really uh, amazing because uh, having shut down those projects that, that Philip was working on, we can see how if they would have continued they might have prevented um, these horrible events like the San Bernardino massacre or the Orlando massacre and, and, and then there's also the Boston Marathon um, uh, attack that Philip can tell you the rest of the story about. So, um, so it started, uh, I think, about five years before he retired in 2015. And um, in the meantime, we had had um, him write uh, some articles for us using a pseudonym that were very, um, very, very helpful in um, just explaining. In a, in a very detailed way, he has a, a great scholarly background, and um, I, I know that those articles that we published in his name were really helpful to uh, people who are, you know, were serious about this issue, and people in government as, as well as in academia. Mm-hmm. Well, Philip, why don't you um, start with some of the things like the Boston Marathon and so on? Um, you know, it, uh, are you still, before we talk about that, are you still, uh, is your life, do you feel t- today, uh, now that you've retired from the uh, Homeland Security, do you still feel that your life is 
threatened? Well, I'm very aware. I've been told probably a thousand times that I should watch my back. But I'm also a trained law enforcement officer and intelligence officer. So it's not like I'm wandering through this arena with completely unaware and oblivious to the the reality of it all. But no, uh-huh. I'm not captured by fear. I wouldn't be a very good law enforcement officer if I was afraid of the job that I was doing. And right. there are people that I encountered in the agency that told me to my face, Mr. Haney, what you're telling us is really scary, but I'll tell you, Carol, what's really scary is being in a room full of armed law enforcement officers, most of them higher rank than you are, telling you that what you're saying is scary. So if that's the case, then they're really in the wrong job because you shouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid of the work that you're doing. So no, I'm aware, certainly, but I have never been captured by fear of it. I'm just the opposite. I'm very, very determined. Seems like almost every day more so that there's going to be a remedy for the things that we're talking to you about today, the cases that I worked on that were destroyed, deleted, taken out of the system by the Obama administration. I don't mean sort of, kind of, abstract, allegorically. I mean literally pushing buttons on computers and deleting entire archives of uh, classified information right out of the system, creating a big black hole that gets bigger, really stretches out like a rubber band, bigger and bigger every year because not only was that information removed, hasn't been replaced, but there's no new stuff going in. So we're missing. We have these huge gaps. You talk about the hole on the border, the hole in the wall. This is another kind of wall and another kind of hole in our national security. Uh And I would actually be capable and willing to help fix it. I'm still willing to do it. And that's why I'm talking publicly with you and writing and speaking because there is a remedy Uh and it can be fixed. I'm not cynical. I'm realistic, but I'm also hopeful. And it is capable. We could do a whole lot better. So, um, I mean, I know Obama, it was, Obama didn't want, uh, I mean, there came a rule down, and I think it was from the Obama administration, um, about how you're not supposed to use the words radical Islamist, right, for example? Yes, that started in 08, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Call Words Matter. That's when it first emerged like a submarine up out of the water was the official memo called the Words Matter Memo. And that's when we were first began to realize that we were being undercut by uh, a different approach, supposedly, to counterterrorism based on civil rights and civil liberties and protection of privacy rights of foreign nationals. And somehow that was supposed to be a better way to protect us. And so in order to implement that policy, they had to start changing the language and then correcting or punishing officers like myself who insisted on using the very same words that our enemies use themselves a hundred times every day. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what about the idea, I mean, I have thought for a long time, and I've actually talked about it on this program, about how um, Obama made, made us more vulnerable 
to terrorism than any other president before or since, and um, and that I thought it had to do with his um, his his own background, you know, that really he may have converted to um, Christianity, but really he was a Muslim at heart, and it was kind of his plan all along to make us more vulnerable to terrorism. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm hearing this, <laughs> of course. I'm hearing the what music that we is, have to take a break. Yeah. Okay. Well, go ahead. Well, what I think is that uh, it, it's not really so important whether he's technically a Muslim or not. The irrefutable fact is that he definitely helped them achieve their goals. So he either mm-hmm. is one or he enabled them. But both of them mm-hmm. led us to exactly the same place, which is what you said, more vulnerable than we've ever been before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, we need to take a break now, but when we come back, we'll talk more with my guests about see something, say nothing. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with a very important show for you today, See Something, Say Nothing, the book of my guests, Philip Haney and Art Moore, talking about um, how they're, you know, actually, I guess you could say terrorists are winning in the sense that they are 
uh, going along their plan to destroy America from the inside, destroy the West from the inside. So, Philip, why don't we, and of course, Art, you can chime in, why don't we talk about some of these attacks that you um, had studied and knew about uh, before they happened. I mean, knew that this is what the kinds of things that the people were planning. Um, and what happened with you trying to warn people? Do you want to start? Uh, did you, I mean, I guess, um, were you involved um, with the Paris attacks? I mean, did you, I know you mentioned that in your book, you talk about it, but was that one of the ones that you actually, even from the U.S., tried to warn people about? Well, let's start with uh, the most current attack possible, the Sri Lanka okay. bombings. Okay. The group, the group that did that is called Tawhid Jamaat. Tawhid means oneness of God. And that Jamaat means group. Tawhid Jamaat. Tawhid Jamaat is one of, like, fingers on your hand of a large number of groups. The hand itself is called the Deobandi movement. Deoband is a place in India where this revivalist movement started in the 1860s in the Indian subcontinent. The Tawhid Jamaat is one. Another one you've heard a lot about is the Taliban. Is another branch or another finger on that hand. The third one I will mention is Tablighi Jamaat, the group the people that were affiliated with Tbilisi is the ones that did the uh, San Bernardino shootings. So you have this branch of Islam. Now, that would be important, but not as significant as what I'm going to tell you now. We've all heard of Osama bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda, right? Started in 1998, Afghanistan. We fought wars against them. We're still there to this very day. Well, the original Al-Qaeda was never called Al-Qaeda. It was called the Global Islamic Front. It was founded by five people, five men, sheikhs, leaders, imams. But it was also composed of a coalition of 13 different organizations. Five men, 13 organizations. Would you like to guess what portion of those 13 organizations were Deobandi branch organizations? Half. Half of them. And here's the point, dear. All these years we've been talking about Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda and Afghanistan when we have virtually made invisible an entire half. Hmm. Seven-plus organizations that are part of the original coalition of what we think of as Al-Qaeda, the one that was on the run, remember them? Mm -hmm. that had been operating in the other part of the world, the Asian Indian subcontinent, as under the banner of Deoband. That group came is here in America. That's the case that I was working on when I was in intelligence at the National Targeting Center. That is the case that the Obama administration shut down, specifically Janet Napolitano with DHS and Hillary Clinton with the Department of State. And I mean literally came to the National Targeting Center, told us they had concerns about our focus on this group, and shut the case down. Huh. Two and a half, I think, if my math is right, years later, San Bernardino happens. The following year, Orlando happens. And now, to start, go back where we started, Sri Lanka happened. 
And Sri Lanka happened by the same people, but also for the same reason. You, I'm sure you heard. They disregarded the intelligence that they got from India. Yeah. They didn't pay attention to it. Exactly the same thing happened in Sri Lanka, I mean in San Bernardino. They disregarded uh-huh. the intelligence. They didn't pay attention to it. They came after the person that provided it, which just so happens to be me. But now I see Sri Lanka as an exact duplicate, but bigger, than what happened in San Bernardino. And so that's why this whole thing is important. You know what a kabuki play is with the puppets and the men, people dressed less in, dressed in black? Uh, you don't see uh-huh. them, but they're there the whole time. Well, that's how this entire half branch, if you will, section of the original Al-Qaeda has been operating in, so, in a sense, in plain sight, the whole last 18 years. And yet we virtually never talk about them, do we? Now you see how so, destructive it was for the administration to come down, come in and shut the case down. It made yeah. us blind to this half, this part of the global Islamic movement. Yes. Now, how do you explain, I mean, in America, it's um, PC. Everything has to be political correct. I mean, is that what you're, mm-hmm. are you, why are you saying, why do you think, I mean, besides what I was saying about, um, about, you know, Obama's real um, religious uh, loyalty, but why, I mean, is it just, it seems like to say it's because of political correctness, like they want to be seen as politically correct, it's, that seems like too simplistic um, an answer for that. What else besides, I mean, is it that all the other people besides Obama have a desire to destroy America? I mean, other people in our own government? Well, for the last two or three months, easy, especially in, in higher intensity since the Congress changed. How have the uh, Democrats characterized the problem on the border as a manufactured crisis? Right. Have they been have they been helping President exercise his constitutional duty to protect our country from invasions and outbreaks of violence, as it says in the in the, in the uh, articles of the Constitution? No. They fight him every step of the way. Ongoing, constant, loud argument about the wall, whether we need it or not. When we're having a higher number of people come up to the border literally every single day than we've ever had in history, and yet people who raise their hand to take an oath to protect our country from threat, both foreign and domestic, won't even acknowledge that there's a crisis at the border. We'll just shift that over to the terror, counterterrorism arena, and then imagine that this was going on clear back as early as 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, for the last, what does that add up to, 12, 13, 14 years. Most of the time that I was in active duty, we had to deal with political policies that were just as blinded and but destructive as what we're seeing now in this ongoing debate about whether there's really a crisis at the southern border. It's exactly, Uh if we can answer one of those questions, we can answer the other one. Because it's the same ideology, um, stubborn refusal to acknowledge the reality that's right there in front of you. What do you call that in psychology, anyway? Well, I was just going to say, denial. Denial. So, like, do you think that that's part of it, besides the politics, that there's, 
you know, I mean, I think that that's definitely part of it in terms of just the general um, citizens of well, America. Well, can denial be there a form so of an denial addiction? denial going on. What? Can there be a component of addiction? If you have a bad case of denial, is it also plausible that you might have some form of an addiction, something that keeps you, yeah. renders you incapable? Well, I think there's that quality. There's them some sort of a form of an addiction that makes you basically, at a certain point, essentially incapable of recognizing what's actually real. That's a form well, of a psychosis. Uh huh. Yes, but I think also, it, for like for the general public, I think it's the idea that um, if all these things that you found, you know, let's look at it that way. All of these things that you got <laughs> um, merits for, awards and so on, um, but it's those things, as you were saying earlier, that they said in the meetings, um, that they're really scary. And we don't want to believe that, that we are under such a scary threat. Well, I think part of it, too, Carol, is that people in America, I, I think you know, in the West in general, um, we want to believe the best about people, and, and in our country, this pluralistic idea that we have of allowing everybody to worship freely, we say, hey, Muslims should be able to worship freely, too. And I, I think that, that there's that combined with, if you're looking at, you know, most of the, the blindness is on the side of the left, I would have to say, even though it's on both sides. But from the left, you have this idea of the oppressor versus the oppressed. And uh, Muslims in general are seen as among the oppressed, you know, a lot of them who live in, in uh, countries where there's been colonialism and so forth. And so, so they try to e even explain terrorism in terms of, you know, people who uh, grew up in situations where, where they were so oppressed that it forced them to become, as we say, radicalized. But the, the fact is, and people have studied this um, uh, that, you know, a majority, that somebody did a study of, they, they looked, drilled down into a hundred different jihadists, they looked at their, their biographies, and they found that more than half actually were, were educated um, in, in, you know, science, medicine, you know, it, it had in some cases advanced degrees, and, and very few of them were people who, you know, came up out of poverty. And so, one of the problems we have, I think, is that We've couched this problem in terms of terrorism, when in fact terrorism is simply a tactic, and what's below that really is the intent, and you can trace this back to Muhammad, the founder of Islam. And in saying this, I'm, you know, we're recognizing that there are all different kinds of people who identify as Muslims around the world. They have different you know, intents and different interpretations and so forth. But we're saying that it's very clear that the people who are engaged in acts of terrorism, their, their intent is not to blow things up so much as it is to establish the rule of Islam or Sharia, Islamic law, over the world. And this is the problem with groups like CARE, is that you know, the, the CARE people at their offices in Washington, D.C., um, as far as I know, they don't have um, weapons in the basement, but their, their weapons are the pen and words and influence on Capitol Hill. Their intent, and, and we can talk about this in, in maybe some other time, but uh, uh, we have countless um, pieces of evidence that shows that their intent is to make America 
an Islamic nation under the authority of the Quran. And that's the problem we have. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, that sort of begs the question of some of the people who we have in Congress who have managed to get elected to Congress, like notably Ilhan Omar, who um, is such a danger to this country. And, and um, you know, that is uh, one of the ways, of course, you know, the idea of terrorists taking over America from the inside, one of the ways is by getting um, people who believe in that ideology to become powerful in government, to become teachers, and of course the colleges are all uh, destroyed now. Um, and, and what was the other one? There were three. What was the other? Uh, in the media. And the other one is the media. So, um, so certainly we see that they are inching into Congress. Well, I no, call it saturation like water soaking into a sponge because uh, a sponge floating on the water, naturally water's going to soak into it. But if you want to speed up the process, what you do is you push on it from above. And that's what we call mm-hmm. agitation or terrorism even. But they're actually for the same purpose, to get the water to soak into the sponge. So the real question is how do you prevent that water from soaking into the sponge of America, whether it's from the left and their definition of sovereignty, which is diversity and inclusion and fairness and equality, or if it's from the global Islamic movement and their definition of sovereignty, which is Sharia law, very simply put, or the way you insulate or waterproof the sponge from being saturated is by the Constitution, our definition of sovereignty. And the issue is that so many elected officials promote policies and ideologies, like the ones you just mentioned, that are not constitutional. It's their own worldview put in political language, but it is not constitutional. So they're not fulfilling Mm -hmm. their own office. And we do not have a fully functioning checks and balances form of government where everyone, when they take the oath, they really and truly do. For example, this is not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. So every time you hear somebody in a political position like Nancy Pelosi or someone else say that President Trump is destroying our democracy, well, whose democracy are they referring to? Because we don't have a democracy. So in a sense, they're half right. He is actually destroying, quote-unquote, their democracy because he's trying to keep us a constitutional republic, and they're not actually compatible. If it was a democracy, then who would we have to appeal to? If every one of the branches of the government, judiciary, legislative, and and executive branch, were all the same party, then what would happen to you if you were on the wrong side of the narrative? You'd have no one to appeal to. And that's why our constitutional republic is so unique, And that's also why we need to maintain the uh, electoral college. Otherwise, it turns into Mm -hmm. a vast majority democracy, and we will lose our voice. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. I mean, it's scary that there are places that could elect people like Omar, Ilhan Omar, um, to, to office, and the fact that she... She's made her agenda pretty clear, and she's not really being hushed up enough. Um, 
One thing I want to ask you about is because um, Art wrote a very interesting article for WND about Notre Dame, and that's one of my <laughs> one of my what's uh, I don't know pet, pet peeves, I guess you could say. Um, I, what do you people think about? Um, uh, I let me just put it out there. I think that it. I don't know that we're ever going to actually hear this from anyone in authority in France. But um, I believe that it was terrorism, um, that it was not some accident or one of the other uh, explanations that they give. And, of course, all of the explanations could have been perpetrated by a terrorist. But I'm interested to know what you think. You know, I, I think this story actually illustrates uh, Philip's story because um, if you were watching the live coverage, watching the horrific scene of, of this iconic building burning, right away... You were hearing uh, the authorities say, and, and the people who were doing the broadcast, even people on Fox News, saying, uh, well, it, it appears that, that it was an accident. And the question, of course, is, is how do they know that so soon? And there were two incidents that, that were very much like, these were actually mild in comparison to what happened to Philip, but they were illustrative of it, is um, you had... Um, uh, this French official uh, right there in Paris who was trying to provide some context and saying, look, we've had um, over a thousand attacks on churches in France, even included in Paris, major ones, in the past two years. And this comes in the context of a huge wave of Muslim immigrants coming, most of whom are peaceful, but many who have... Um, have caused uh, huge disruption and who intend not to be uh, French citizens. And so, so Philippe, this uh, French official, simply was providing that context. Shepard Smith, Fox News, right away, oh, no, no, we're not going to go there, not on my watch, not on my show. Um, I think Philippe used the word political correctness, and that was it. That, that triggered Shepard Smith and cut him off. And it happened also on another Fox News interview um, and uh, in Fox News, of course, uh, there's a, a huge um, investment, um, I, I think still, by, by one of the uh, monarchs in uh, Saudi Arabia. But in, in general, even Fox News is succumbing to this political correctness where, uh, you know, we don't want to say what is on the minds of, of most people that, you know, it might not be an accident. And to this day, we don't know. But the point is that, uh, how do we know that it wasn't? And how, why are we so um, edgy and, and, and so quick to, to cut off people who say that it, it could be right. something that's bad, uh, such as a terrorist uh, attack? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Well, we need to take another break. Um, this is so, I can't believe the time is flying by because you guys are so interesting. My guests are Philip Haney and Art Moore. We're talking about their book, uh, Say Something, See, Say See Something, Say Nothing, which um, is still, as you just heard, uh, as relevant right now as when they wrote it a few years ago. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the 
experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Philip Haney and Art Moore, the co-authors of a book, that um, should be should be assigned in school, actually, instead of uh, the propaganda that is being assigned in schools. It's called See Something, Say Nothing. A Homeland Security Author Exposes the Government's Submission to Jihad. So um, during the break, you were talking about how you would like to talk about the Muslim, what's happening with the Muslim Brotherhood and some things that um, President Trump may be planning. So... Yes, uh, we also were talking about, I wanted to finish up one string of our conversation real quick, oh, sure. and that is what, sure. that what I call the paradox of the moderate. Um, would you agree with me that Ilhan Omar and uh, Rashida Talib make Nancy Pelosi look like a moderate? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Before they were along, Nancy seemed pretty extreme, didn't she? Now, all yeah. of a sudden... She seems more reasonable, and that's what I right. call the paradox of the moderate. And so uh-huh. that's part of the tactics of our opposition is to make us accustomed to what before we wouldn't accept because yes. it's a paradox. But to go on to what I would like to see, and I'm increasingly confident and hopeful will happen, is that President Trump will actually follow through on another one of his many fulfilled campaign promises and designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. After all, they are the parent of Hamas and any number of other Salafi uh, jihadi groups around the world, up to and including even the original Al-Qaeda. So if he did that, can you imagine 
the hundred plus members of Congress who have taken campaign donations from huh. groups like the Council on American Islamic Relations or the Islamic Society of North America or Muslim Public Affairs Council. Not only that, but all the photo ops, all the times they've spoken at their banquets. In fact, the three mm. members of Congress that are Muslim, Rashida Talib, uh, Ilhan Omar, and Andre Carson, just a month or so ago spoke at the CARE banquet in Alexandria, Virginia, right across the river mm-hmm. from D.C. That's a front group for Hamas. Can you imagine yes. the shockwaves? And, and it and, was Ilhan Omar who, it, it was at a CARE meeting, CARE banquet, where Ilhan Omar said that thing about uh, some people did something, talking about not Well, it's here a care, there a care, everywhere a care, care. I mean, everywhere <laughs> you turn, they're there. And the thing is, is if we were to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist group, this would be one of the most effective counter-terrorism steps we could possibly take, and we would not require a single shot being fired or a single bomb being dropped. Why don't we start with that? and address the nature of the threat that is literally standing right in front of us virtually every day. Start mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it would be a bold move, but then again, Trump makes bold moves, so yes, that would be excellent. Art, anything you want to contribute to this? Well, yeah, I, I think um, it, it really is um, shocking in the sense that uh, over all these years, you know, you've you've heard these objections to it from really reasonable people from the right as well. Is that um, yeah, you know, CARE is a bad organization, and they're this and that. But but you know, we would we would it's kind of like dropping a bomb uh, figuratively. And but that was the same thing that they said about recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I mean, you know that the law recognizing. Jerusalem was passed in 1995, and then they they had in there this this waiver option where um, the president could could sign, and then every six months decide you know is this in the best interest of our our country our national security to uh, to hold this off yet another six months and uh, of course Clinton did it uh, Bush did it Obama did it and finally Trump comes along and he actually signed it the first time then he said uh, you know. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna enforce we're gonna enact this this law and people said, oh, the whole Middle East is gonna turn into a giant nuclear bomb. Well, mm-hmm. there was resistance. We know there was, but but where are we now? I think we're in a in a better place. Obviously, we did the right mm-hmm. thing because Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but we're in a better place in terms of any so-called peace plan because we've taken off the table one of the the sticking points, and so. But it's only Trump. I, you know, I, I think um, whatever people think of him, um, nobody else has, has pushed back against the establishment as he has. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the, the other variable in this equation about the Muslim Brotherhood designation is I think we may have touched on it earlier. The astonishing reality that we have actually known that these groups are fronts for Hamas for more than 10 years. It was established in the Holy Land Foundation trial. It's not like we have to have this agonizing process of discovery to make sure that we uh-huh. know that we're doing the right thing. It's already been done more than 10 years ago, irrefutably proven. The very same groups that President Obama brought into 
the into the executive branch of the government and gave them positions of influence and authority were already known to be affiliated with Hamas. So mm-hmm. now we are. It's not that it's not a difficult decision. The evidence has already been prepared and laid on the table. All it needs is, is the political will. You have to have the DOJ, the Department of Treasury, the FBI, the DHS, um, State Department, and the executive branch. That's six branches like a transmission, all geared, all meshed together and working in order for it to work, to, to be successful, the designation. But I think we're closer to that now than we've been, as I said earlier, since at least 06, if not earlier. So, yeah, I'm hopeful yeah. for it, and it needs to be done. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, I couldn't agree with all of you, all of what you were talking about more. Um, I do need to have you on again because there's so much to talk about. Um, I, don't, I think Art knows this, but, Philip, I don't know if you're aware that at, I was also changed by 9-11, being born and bred in New York City, when 9-11 happened, it changed my life, even though I was living in California already by then. And that's when I decided to become the terrorist therapist and devote myself to helping people cope with terrorism. Um, and so this is what I do with books and media appearances and a, a radio show called, a podcast actually, called um, The Terrorist Therapist Show. So I'm I'm all in to all of this, and I think it's the most important thing that we, that society is dealing with and will be dealing with um, for our lifetimes. So well, it's a good uh, illustration it so of all of us. You're doing mm-hmm. it from your arena, your position of, of a skill. I'm doing it from mine and background with mm-hmm. law enforcement. Art is doing it from his, with the media, and we yeah. are our own kind of transmission, the one I mentioned earlier. It has to mesh together. So does ours. That's the way our country's designed. If we do it, it will work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just have to just have to keep getting people to pay attention, and it doesn't have to be so scary if you're on your way to doing something positive about it. Well, where would you like people to go to get your book or a website, or what would you like to tell people? Yeah, you can find well, uh, See Something, Say Nothing at uh, Amazon. Dot com and uh, Philip, do you want to add anything else? There's a uh, Worldview Weekend TV dot org. You can find I'm doing a series of television presentations on the overriding theme called National Security Meltdown. That's my theme mm. for 2019. It's going to be the sequel to See Something Say Nothing, National Security Meltdown, and that's on Worldview Weekend dot tv.org. You can see some of the shows I've done. Worldviewweekend.tv.org. Okay. It's Worldview and Weekend. Yes. It's actually WVWTV. WVWTV.org. WVWTV? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Um, I see. Abbreviated. Okay. And again, yes, the title of the book is See Something, Say Nothing. A Homeland Security Officer Exposes the Government's Submission to Jihad. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for um, being on the show and for doing the work that you do. And thank you all for listening. You're welcome. You've been listening to, you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.